Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's word and apply his message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part two of the book of Ruth, chapters two through four. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He's going to offer his whole life. He's calling himself wheat. And if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. So back in the olden days, the priest would take the wheat and beat it by hand. Jesus is saying he's wheat. It's Passover time. The wheat is being hand rubbed and beaten by the priest. Caiaphas tells him to beat Jesus. He's whipped, he's scourged, he's beaten, he's the wheat. Then they would grind it into fine flour and sift it 12 times. What did Jesus say to Peter, the head of the 12? Simon, Simon, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed to you for the Father so that you would not fail and you'll come back even stronger and lead the 12. Kneading the dough, it has to be seven by four hand widths. It has to have a horn-like protrusion on each of the four corners. It looks like an altar. The bread is baked to look like an altar, an altar for the Lamb of God. It's amazing. It's uncanny. No one ever talks about this fulfillment. The priest then would carry the two loaves to the altar, accompanied by loud trumpets, the waving of the twin loaves of the two living lambs on the eastern side of the altar. Where did water gush out of Jesus? On the eastern side. Where did sinners go all the way through Genesis? After they sinned, they moved further east. The Kohen, the priest, would wave the offering once again after the lamb was slaughtered and dead. They'd do it again in all directions, north, south, east, west, up, down. First living lambs and dead lambs. Hmm. To eat the two Shavuot offerings then, would the priest would gather together and the priest had to consume every single bite of the bread. They couldn't leave a crumb. Hmm. This is all unique on the festival of Shavuot, Pentecost. Two lambs, old and new fulfillment, two daily breads, old and new fulfillment. So a 50-day progression from barley to wheat. Now, you guys were not made for barley bread. You were not made for barley bread. You were made for wheat bread, the finest wheat bread, because you were made and created in the image and likeness of Almighty God. God created all things, and on day six, he made humans and beasts on the same day. We were made on day six six with the beast but you are not a beast because god breathed his own breath into us and gave us an eternal soul in his divine image and likeness god pulled the climax of all creation out of the side of man who was sleeping woman is the climax of all creation she's the very final thing god created the new woman the bride the church is going to be pulled from the side of the sleeping new adam on the cross so seven days God created. On the seventh day, he rested and hallowed it and made it holy because he wants us all in total rest, total shalom rest, total communion with him for all eternity. That's God's goal. That's why he created you, to be with him forever. So God wants full communion with all humanity. Yes, you were created on day six, 
but you were created to be in union with God. You're created for day seven. Man was created on day six with the animals, with the beasts, but man was created for day seven to be in the image and likeness of God Almighty and to rest in him for all eternity in shalom peace. From barley to wheat. You're not created to eat barley bread, the grain of the beast. You were created for wheat bread, and not only wheat bread, but you were created for the finest wheat bread, the bread of angels, the bread from heaven come down. You were created for the finest wheat. Day seven, rest bread and total communion, and we do it communally with God. The gift of finest wheat is day 50 bread whom all the world cannot contain comes in our human bodies to commune with us. And like our mother Mary, whom all the world cannot contain comes in our bodies to dwell. Amen? Amen! So be it. Christ hides himself in the finest wheat bread known to all the nations, this is universal for all Abraham's children, to restore our dignity as sons and daughters of the Almighty God created in his own image and likeness, to heal us, to bring us back to where we used to be in communion with him in paradise, in paradisio. It's the medicine of immortality. The divine physician himself prescribes it, and he becomes it. He hides himself there, and we are to hear and to obey. I am the bread of life, he says in scripture. Eat my body, drink my blood, for my flesh is true flesh. My blood is true drink. This is the bread which came down from heaven that a man may eat of and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live how long? Forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is what? is my flesh. Catholics, do you believe in the true presence of God in the Eucharist? That's not what the Pew report found. Bread blessed, bread broken, bread shared communally, just like on the road to Emmaus. They wanted him to come in. It's getting late. Come in, come in. They've been talking about scripture the whole walk. They don't know who it is. He sits down at a table with them. He took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it, and he gave it to them. Bread blessed, bread broken, bread shared communally. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And boom, he vanished out of their sight. There he's gone. And we say, what? And we don't stop and think about that passage. Why does he disappear? Poof, he's gone. He was supposed to stay with them all night. It was getting late. He was supposed to spend the night there in Emmaus. He does stay with them. They just consumed him in the Eucharist. Get it? He does. In the consecration of the bread that he consecrated, he put himself in the bread, and he stays with them. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when we talked to him on the road and when he opened up the scriptures to us? They just had mass with the risen Lord. They just had mass. They still have him within their bodies. They are communing with the entire Trinity now by the power of the Holy Spirit. The true presence of God was in the bread. He hid himself there. It was their first Holy Communion. They had the liturgy of the word and then they had the liturgy of the Eucharist. They had the liturgy of the word on the road when they were talking scripture, all the fulfillments of the prophets. It was the first recorded mass from 4 to 6 p.m. on Sunday, the 17th day of Nisan and the 33rd day of our Lord. It was the first mass. It was the liturgy of the Eucharist, their first Holy Communion. He doesn't need to stay physically present because he stays spiritually present in the bread and inside them now. Now the Mayo Clinic says, that once you eat something, it takes about 36 hours for the food to move through the entire colon. 
Daily communicants always have Jesus in their body. You overlap by 12 hours, the 36 hours of the digestive process. This is the best kept secret in all the world. If you go to mass daily, you always have Jesus in you. Padre Pio knew that. It's one of his five secrets. It's one of Jesus' things that Jesus told us to pray for. Give us this day our daily bread. So we would have him with us always. Just like old Moses, they needed the daily bread, the manna. They had to pick it up every day, every day to sustain them on their journey to the promised land. We too need our daily bread to sustain us on our journey back home to the promised land, to heaven, to paradiso. So there's a type and the greater is always the anti-type. The manna, the anti-type, the greater type is Jesus in the Eucharist, the new Moses. One is like barley, the other is like the finest wheat from Passover to Pentecost. I am the bread of life. The bread which I give shall be for the life of the world and it is my flesh, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So the new Adam, it breaks the curse. In the sweat of your face, you shall work for bread, not anymore. When Jesus' blood drips down, the skull of Adam is under the cross. It frees Adam of all the curses. The new Adam has reversed everything. The blood of Jesus, the new Adam uncurses the cursed ground and uncurses the curse of working for bread. There's free bread again. The new Adam hides himself in the bread. It's free bread for the life of the world. Isaiah predicted it. Why do you spend your money? for that which is not bread. Why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Only Jesus will satisfy us. Free bread that satisfies for every tribe, every nation, universally, tribe and tongue, all who hear God's word and do what? Obey it. So the first fruit of the wheat harvest, day 50, the disciples, 120 of them are gathered in the upper room. A new priesthood is there. They, and it says in Acts 2 that they had fellowship in the breaking of the bread that's the Eucharist, communion in a communal way, and the prayers, that would have been the Mass. They again offered Mass. It was a new covenant. There was a new bride pulled from the side of a new Adam. It was the wedding feast of the Lamb of God. And it's why our little first communicants go up like brides and grooms. This is their first holy communion with Jesus. Happy are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb, the bride who receives the Holy Spirit and the gift of finest wheat, Jesus himself hidden, for a full communion with God, what the bride, what we were all created for. So going from barley to wheat. Okay, that came to me in my prayer time with this book of Ruth, and I love this book, and I've done retreats on this book. There's so many layers to Ruth, but she is working from barley to wheat harvest. She's a pagan Moabite. She's the first Jewish convert, and she loves without limit. Now, Naomi has buried the three men in her life, and her Moabite daughter-in-laws have split. One has chosen to come with her. The other has gone back to Moab. The one who came with her was Ruth. Wherever you go, I will go, Naomi. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God's going to be my God. She's a convert. She believes in Naomi's God. She's lived with her for over 10 years. She's seen her pray to her God. She's seen her through thick and thin. And she knows Naomi's on to something. So Ruth is going to meet Boaz today. And Naomi has a kinsman on her husband's side. He's a very prominent, rich man from the family of Elimelech. His name is Boaz. Ruth the Moabite. Remember the origin of the Moabites. The foreign Moabite says to Naomi, let me go to the fields. Let me glean among the ears of grain. Behind someone 
whose sight I might find favor, she says. And Naomi says, go my daughter. Now, gleaning in the field is going behind the harvesters, getting the scraps, the leftovers, the little things that fall. Gleaning is super hard work, but God put a provision in Torah for widows, for orphans, for aliens, that they should never, the landowners of the promised land should never reap to the very edges of the field, but they should leave some for gleaning. They should leave grapes also. They shouldn't pick all the grapes, but leave some for the poor, the alien. Leave some of the wheat for the poor, the alien. Even the alien, the orphan, the widow, leave some for them, even the olives. Don't strip what the field entirely, but leave some for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. All through the Bible, we see God's special love for orphans, for widows, for poor and oppressed people. So Ruth comes and she's gleaning behind the reapers. And as it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the family of Elimelech. And Boaz was a kinsman of Naomi's dead husband. Elimelech. Now Boaz had come from Bethlehem, ding, 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 house of bread, right? And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. And Boaz said to the servant who was in charge of the reapers, to whom does this young woman belong? The servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is a Moabite who has come back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And Ruth said, oh, please let me glean. Please let me glean and gather the sheaves behind the reapers. So she came, and she has been on her feet since early in the morning until now without resting for even a moment. Now, this is very admirable, this quality. She is a hard, hard, hard worker. Thomas Edison said there is no substitute for hard work. Industrious, hard-working women are admired all over the world in every country on every continent a noble hard-working woman is a woman of great character and worthiness boaz said to ruth now listen my daughter my daughter a moabite he's calling her a daughter that's 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 family do not go to glean in another field or leave this field but keep close to my young women keep your eyes on the field that's being reaped and follow behind them i have ordered the young men not to bother you because women got bothered a lot out in the fields because women were property why does the warning come about men in the fields staying close by what's well, dangerous dangerous for a young, beautiful Moabite woman out in the field, a foreigner. Remember this, we're in the time of the judges. Remember the sin cycle of the judges from last week. They do what they want to do. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Remember? Okay, so one time, and this is at the time of Ruth, this is right near this same time, the Benjamites, what shall we do for, for wives of those who are left since the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? All the women of the tribe Benjamin got wiped out, and the whole tribe is in danger in war. The whole tribe is in danger of getting blotted out from Israel, the whole tribe of Benjamin. But the, the word was that cursed be he who gives a wife to Benjamin. So everyone was ordered not to give your wives to Benjamin. So at the yearly feast, the harvest feast at Shiloh, where the, the Ark of the Covenant was, what happens? Behold, there's a yearly feast, and they are instructed, the Benjamites are instructed to when the young women come out in the fields from their gleaning, to attack them, lay in wait in the vineyard and watch. And when the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance, the harvest dance, the thanksgiving to God, the worship dance, then seize them, 
kidnap them and make them your wives. And this really happened, to take them back to the land of Benjamite and make them forcibly become your wives. So these young women at Shiloh were kidnapped in Judges 21, and they were drugged with the Benjaminite men back to have their children so that their tribe would not become extinct, kidnapped and forced to be wives. So it's dangerous for a woman out in the field. The story would have been one that Boaz knew well, and he's trying to protect Ruth. He's trying to be her guardian. So the Benjamites took their wives at that time and carried them off. And it says then in that chapter, again, in those days, there was no king in Israel and every man did what was right in his own eyes. So Boaz is protecting Ruth. He has become her guardian and the word name title Boaz means one who's strong, one who brings refuge, uh, in whom one can seek safety, an agent of safety. So he also tells Ruth, Ruth, if you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Now, a Jewish man offering a thirsty foreign woman outside of Yahweh's covenant a drink of water. Does that remind you of anyone? A foreign woman wanting water from a Jew. A Moabite drinking from a Jewish water vessel, really? This is very reminiscent of John 4 when Jesus comes to the well and the Samaritan woman, he'll, he'll drink from her, her vessel. Ruth will see typologies of Boaz for both Jesus and Joseph. Okay, so be watching and, and thinking of those. Ruth falls prostrate, her face to the ground, and she says to Boaz, why have I found such favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I am a foreigner? Very similar to what Fotina said at the well, the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, how is it that you, a Jew, could give a drink to me, a Samaritan woman? Jesus, the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. They also had no dealings with Moabite women. Boaz answered Ruth, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Boaz is very impressed with Ruth's character. Now, Boaz and Ruth have a story. May the Lord reward you for your deeds and may you have a full reward from the Lord, Boaz tells her. May the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge, bless you. What does that sound like? Under whose wings you have come for a rescue. That's bridegroom talk. We learned that last week. That's definitely bridegroom talk. That's a pickup line that God gave the people at the base of Sinai. Remember how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. So Boaz is, there's some bridegroom speak going on here. May you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, may I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, even though I am not one of your servants. Ruth had found shelter in Boaz of Israel, a guardian, a protector. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some of this bread and dip your morsel into the wine. Hmm. So she sat beside the reapers and he heaped up for her some parched grain and she ate until she was satisfied. And there was even some left over. Does that sound like anyone you know? Do you hear maybe what John was praying with at the time of Shavuot? John 6, they had eaten their fill. They gathered up the fragments left over because the spring barley is the first, eating until satisfied. Boaz 
is a type of Jesus. Boaz is a type of Joseph. Both of these coming from the same line of kinsmen from the royal house, eventually of King David. When she got up to glean, Boaz instructed the young men, let her glean even among the standing sheaves and do not reproach her. Let her glean even among the standing sheaves. Those are the ones that have already been harvested, the ones that are standing up in the middle of the field. You're going to let her glean from those? Anything that falls below, all that we've gathered up and anything there on the ground she can have? Yep. You must also pull out for her some handfuls from the bundles. What? For a Moabite? Are you kidding me? And leave them for her to glean and do not rebuke her. This is unheard of. This is unheard of. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was an ephra of barley. Do you know how much an ephra is? One full bushel. Do you know how hard it is to glean one full bushel of grain after all the good stuff's gone? She picked it up. She came into the town, and her mother-in-law, Naomi, saw how much she had gleaned. She took out and gave to her what was left over after she herself had been satisfied. Ruth gives it to Naomi first. Take whatever you want. I'll take the leftovers. Her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? Where have you been working? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the name of the man whom I worked with today is named Boaz. Boaz, guardian, protector, kinsman, one who would put her under his wings and be a guardian, protector, a kinsman. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Old Mara, bitter old Mara, is coming back into pleasantness because someone is watching out for them. Naomi said to her, The man is a relative of ours, and he is one of our nearest of kin. Now, if you know the, the, the Leverite marriage laws in Deuteronomy 25, you'll understand Ruth a lot better. If a brother, if they dwell together and one of the brothers dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. No, no, no. The husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duties of a husband's brother to her. And the first son, the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of the brother who is dead, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. This is how it worked. This is the Levitical marriage law of Deuteronomy 25, which you must understand or you will not understand Ruth. When the transaction was complete, the first of kin would, would pull off the sandal and hail the sandal, and he would be the redeemer kinsman. Now Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay close by my servants, Boaz said, until they have finished the harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is better, my daughter, that you go out with his young women. Otherwise, you might be bothered in another field. Stay with Boaz. Stay with Boaz. He's our guardian. He's our protector. He's our kinsman. Stay with him. Stay under his wing. So she stayed close to the women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. So that's at least 50 days, but that's just till the first fruit of the wheat. So then another several weeks. So she's been gleaning a long time. She's a hard worker. From barley to wheat, she has completed the entire season of harvesting. Those first fruits for the entire village would have been committed. Once the barley's ready, then the next several weeks is just work, 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 harvest, 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 harvest. The harvest is many, the laborers are few. That's where we get lines like that. The Holy Land, the Promised Land, was flowing with milk and honey. Only men could own the land. 
Naomi's husband has been, had been the landowner, but he died. It would have then gone to Milan, the firstborn son. Remember his name, Sickly? He would have been the next to redeem the land, but he died. So it would have gone down to the next son, Chilion. But guess what? His name is Destruction, and he died also. So when Chilion died, who's going to redeem the land? There's no one left. Who's the next of kin? Who's the next of kin? She's buried all three men. Who's going to redeem Elimelech's piece of the holy land that belonged to Naomi by marriage? But women can't own land. It can't be a in their name. So what are they going to do? They have to have a next of kin to have a firstborn son so they can redeem the land. It's called a kinsman redeemer. Naomi needs the next of kin. She needs a kinsman redeemer to get their land back. It's called the Goel. Naomi's land would be offered to the next closest kinsman and he would have the right of first redemption. Now with the land comes all the property and guess what? The widows are property in this day and age. You get my land, you get my widow. So they had to be redeemed. They must be redeemed to get their inheritance back, to get their piece of the promised land back. And we must be redeemed to get our inheritance back. We must be redeemed to get back to our inheritance, the promised land of heaven. Get it? We need a redeemer. We need a kinsman redeemer, just like they did. We had a place in paradise. We had a, a portion of paradise as humans, but we lost our inheritance. We were sent out to a foreign land. We lost our husband, God, because we didn't hear and we didn't obey his word. And even we had the Holy Spirit and sometimes we didn't obey his word. We too would need a firstborn son, a kinsman redeemer to get us back to the promised land of paradise because our inheritance as sons and daughters of God is to be in full communion with the Trinity for all eternity. All humanity needs a kinsman redeemer. Every single person sitting here needs a kinsman redeemer. Mary needed a kinsman redeemer. Even though she was sinless, she calls Jesus in her Magnificat, my savior my redeemer. Naomi needs a kinsman redeemer. Ruth, a foreign Moabite convert, may be just the one who can get the redeemer for their family. Crazy. Nothing is irredeemable with God. Ruth needs a firstborn son to redeem their piece of the promised land. But before she has a firstborn son, she needs a husband from kin. Now that's where Boaz comes in. There's a slight problem, maybe one or two. She's a Moabite, he's Jewish. And also, oh yeah, there's one kinsman who's closer in relation than Boaz. Hmm. She's Ruth's a foreigner. She's a Moabite woman. She has to be redeemed. We too are foreigners. We're not part of the chosen Jewish race. They're the firstborn sons, but we're Gentiles, but we've lost our inheritance. We too need redeeming. We need a kinsman redeemer. That's where Jesus comes in as an antitype of Boaz. Jesus says to Mary, go and tell my father and your father. That makes them kin. That makes them brother and sister. Jesus is our sibling. Go tell my brothers, my father and your father, my God and your God. So we're redeemed by a kinsman. He joined our humanity as a new Adam. He's the firstborn of a new creation. We've all lost our piece of the promised land, but now we have a risen kinsman redeemer. He's our new kinsman. We share fathers, God the Father. We've inherited that spiritual DNA from our first parents. We need a redeemer. We need a firstborn son of a new creation who could join our humanity and be our kinsman redeemer so we could get redeemed. We need a type of Ruth. Her antitype is Mary. We need a type of her son. The antitype is Jesus. That was part two of the book of Ruth, chapters two through four on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible studies, visit seekingtruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.